finding the North Star, why Brexit will not happen. Although a bold statement, the notion that Brexit will not happen is in fact essential to our understanding of the Brexit process and the monumental challenges it faces. The fundamental failure of Brexit so far lies not in the legal policy nexus, but in a more simple but fundamental aspect of the identity of Brexit. In saying that, far from listing the almost unending legal and strategic challenges as examples as to why Brexit is the ultimate Gordian knot of our time, although these will be discussed, this piece will explain the vital flaw in the, bro- in the Brexit conversation, and why, even if a deal is agreed, Brexit will most likely be a failure. Unweaving the Tapestry Looking at the enigma of Brexit at times feels as if you are staring at an empty etcher painting for too long. Trying to make sense of it all ultimately leads to frustration and a headache. And for good reason. When the Brexiteers were out canvassing for public support, they promoted the ease at which we would be able to take back control as their key USP. However, as time passed and the reality of what it would take to leave the EU had a chance to simmer, only then was the gargantuan project made clear. This is because the Brexit project consists of a set of ever-expanding stages, which at every stage leaves the vulnerable plan exposed to the scrutiny and examination of the respective stage. And that risk of it all coming crashing down if what is proposed is rejected. In short, the higher the climb, the bigger the splash if it fails. What Prime Minister Theresa May is attempting to undo is unweave 26 years worth of security, economic and trade policy, then attempt to restitch the fibres back in a way that is in the best interest of the United Kingdom. For this to happen, five levels of agreement need to take place. Firstly, her cabinet need to agree to a coherent plan. Then, this plan needs to be approved by both Houses of Parliament. Once this is established, the unified UK front needs to get their plan approved by the EU Parliament and subsequently by all 27 individual parliaments. Currently, Brexit is at the very beginning stages and is already facing staunch opposition in the House of Lords, where the government recently faced their 15th Brexit defeat by the House. As a remedy to this, the PM has appointed 13 new peers to the House of Lords, which she is hoping will help sway the House to her favour. Closer to home, the PM is facing rebellion within her own cabinet, and recently divided her cabinet up into two working groups, in order to hash out two Brexit strategies, those being MaxFAC and the Customs Partnership. Notably, Foreign Affairs Minister Boris Johnson and Chancellor of the Exchequer Philip Hammond were excluded from taking part, perhaps due to their polar opposite views on Brexit. A weak coalition In the face of such divergent and at times tribal loyalties, one can't help but think that the PM would have had an easier time with her Brexit negotiations with the majority in the House of Commons. Her alliance with the DUP, forged out of necessity rather than shared ideology, has had the PM's voice diluted and perhaps even undermined 
by her inconvenient kingmaker, Arlene Foster, who, especially with the politics of Northern Ireland, has had sway over the decision-making process. Her clipped wings, however, are no excuse for what some EU officials and Tory donors have described as hopeless leadership. Her ability to address concerns and to unify her cabinet at the very least has been found wanting. And in times where strong and stable leadership is needed, her approach to Brexit has been anything but. No doubt what she's signed up to is tough. The whole process of defining a new relationship with the EU that firstly is agreed to by all major players, and secondly, one that actually works in the years and even decades after its establishment, is perhaps a task doomed to fail, given the conditions currently in place. Moreover, given that the people of Scotland voted in inarguable numbers to remain part of the European Union, gives the process an almost Chinese war dimension of impenetrability. Meaning, no matter what is proposed, Holyrood, just like Westminster, will be upholding the will of the people by refusing to consent to any Brexit bill. This position was displayed earlier in May, where members of the Scottish Parliament voted by 93 to 30 that Holyrood does not consent to the European Union withdrawal bill. My Brexit is not your Brexit. At the root... The main reason as to why Brexit will not happen is simply this. There is no common understanding as to what leaving the European Union actually means. Without a common understanding of what Brexit is, any attempt to move forward with a strategy will fail. This is precisely what we are seeing unfold. What nobody understood or established at the very beginning is what was the referendum trying to achieve. What pain were they trying to fix? And what change did they want to see happen? Without these intentions laid out, at the very start, finding common ground is almost impossible now. As leaving the European Union leaves a lot of room for interpretation. What one person considers a a successful Brexit is different to what another person does. And one only needs to look at the plethora of opinions in Parliament to confirm this fact. These divergent views of what Brexit actually means is what MPs are locking horns over. To get around these inconsistencies, the government are proposing up to 20 different Brexit deals between the UK and EU. These will, these will hope to satisfy key concerns held by the varying parties and may cover issues such as free trade, security, air services and withdrawal but with less than 305 days until the Brexit deadline, a lot still needs to be worked out. A second referendum? Among all the uproar and exhaustion, there still is there still room or even political appetite in considering a second referendum? And if so, for what reason? And what exactly could be asked? To tackle the first point, it is important to remember that that EU officials have said on a number of occasions that if the UK decided to change its mind on leaving the EU, the EU would be supportive in that decision. And if having a second referendum is needed to legitimise the shift in position, then perhaps this might be the only way. Moreover, within the UK, there has been a push by MPs such as Labour's Chukka Munna 
activists and policymakers to engineer a second referendum, to give the people a second chance to rethink their decision in light of experiencing the reality of the situation. EU officials have said privately that they would be willing to pause on EU negotiations to give time for a second referendum to take place. If a strong enough case can be made for a second referendum, considering the recent accusations of voter manipulation by Cambridge Analytica and a campaign of misinformation by the Leave campaign, or if the political and economic cost of Brexit hits crisis point, then perhaps a second referendum is on the cards. Although the government has stated that a second referendum is not on the cards, it is not unusual for positions to change. If a week is a long time in politics, 300 days is a millennium. With mounting pressure on the PM to produce results and with calls by former prime ministers like Tony Blair, as well as the Lib Dems for a second referendum, deadlock cannot and must not remain the status quo for much longer. If a second referendum is to be called, firstly, it must be called with a specific question. This question must give direction as to what our relationship with the EU will be. Secondly, it must be executed with strategy, as to not consider the context of such a move will inevitably confirm, in the eyes of even the PM's staunch supporters, of her inability to carry out her soundbite of Brexit means Brexit. For some, this is stating the obvious. However, there is hesitation on both sides of the aisle for calling for a second referendum. Leader of the Labour Party Jeremy Corbyn at the beginning of the year stated publicly that Labour is not supporting or calling for a second referendum of the U- UK's EU membership. This is due to the fact that supporters that supporters of Brexit run through party lines and can be seen as a threat to their support in the next general election, and even their political survival. Exploring uncharted territory is something politicians, and especially members of the front benches, are especially risk-averse to. However, it is this silent caution that may lead to further frustration, and a further loss in confidence by businesses in the Brexit process, leading to investment flight and a chronic limbo. Want to learn more about Brexit and how to protect your business interests? Like the content? Or want to book Marathi as a speaker or panelist for an event? Or for any other queries about this topic and how PanGOY can help you? Head over to our website at www.pangeoy.com or email us at services at Thanks for listening.